So I thought we might just start by you telling me how you came to, to write this particular book, what the kind of genesis, I know you've been working on it for a while. I don't know how many years oh, or probably eight or nine years. Yeah. yeah and if there was a, a particular kind of intellectual or formal question that drove the kind of origins of the book in the introduction, you have a really nice account of Charles Taylor's book, A Secular Age. And it seems like you're doing the same kind of large scale synoptic intellectual history, but in poetic form. So I don't know if it grew out of your reading of these similarly ambitious works, or if you just found yourself at a particular moment kind of wondering, how did we get here? Or how you came to, to first get interested? Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of these things, in mm -hmm. a sense, um, Tony. Uh, you know, I think in this extraordinary age we're living in with the technological revolution we've experienced it and we're all running wild looking at emails and everything I felt we needed to stand back and look at a little mm. bit at where we were to take stock to decide and to try and see where we came from and where we might go to I did also read The Secular Age by Charles Taylor which was a fascinating and mm. uh, fascinating book so I think these kind of two things came together mm. uh, to a point in, in me and I felt I wanted to look at, I said, where we came from, where we're going to. But also, I was fascinated by the idea that at the end of what we'd roughly call medieval times, on the cusp of modernity, Dante came along and kind of summed up mm. where they were. Uh, I feel there's been some sort of paradigm shift mm. in our culture over the last, what, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, People will call it different things, obviously, and it's very hard to know, with, have we enough perspective on our own times ever to talk about eras, but it seems as if there's been a paradigm shift from overarching certainties to much less surety about these things, which some people will call post-modernity, some will call late modernity, or chase modernity, many different names for it. Even liquid modernity comes mm, up. Which I like that one. Yeah. 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 And so I felt that it was possible or I'd like to try in a, to a long dramatic poem mm. um, looking at the same sort of 400 years that Taylor had looked at mm -hmm. but Taylor's book Charles Taylor's book is a history of ideas basically and I feel that what Dante did is to actually do it through people mm. I don't think you can separate out history from people so I'm fascinated by two things I'm fascinated firstly by the, the phases of modernity that modernity seems to have gone through and ask myself, who are the movers and shakers, so to speak, in the different disciplines of our culture? And the second thing that really fascinates me is the interplay between the personal lives. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just biographies and it's not just intellectual history. It's the combination. It's the interface between people where they have changed or helped to shift the perspective of a culture. Their own lives have had a huge effect on this. Mm. Obviously... It's very much so in the arts. It's the same, clearly, in philosophy, stroke theology. In other words, in the quintet I call meaning and in the quintet I call making. Mm -hmm. But also in dealing, which is one of the quintet on economics. Your view of economics, I think, also often is, is influenced by who you are and mm -hmm. your, the intermarriage of your life, so to speak, and the circumstances you're growing into and thinking about. Uh, the same is true for politics, even maybe more than economics in politics. Mm. Again, people's backgrounds shape yeah. their vision. The one which is which I do believe it does shape, but I didn't actually go into that, that in the 
uh, one I call finding, which is the quintet on science, mm-hmm. simply because, yes, I'm sure to an extent, to a lesser extent, but nevertheless, I'm sure people's background plays somewhat into how they view the, view the world even there. But the truth is that the, the technological explanations are so complex, you can't, I couldn't... Have, concentrate on the interface, I had to just take the developments, mm-hmm. the scientific, and, and the implications of those for our culture. So I think all of those things played in together. But then also doing it in poetry is very special, not just yeah. doing because poetry allows you an intensification, mm-hmm. allows you a distillation for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think also what it allows is an imaginative engagement with it, mm-hmm. so that you can have characters these movers and shakers talk with one another over time or mm-hmm. discourse between themselves mm-hmm. which uh, is made possible by the imaginative act of poetry clearly you could to an extent do that in prose as well but you mm-hmm. wouldn't have the I think the intensity and the distillation side mm-hmm. of it yeah you're talking about taking this kind of large scale conceptual project in rendering it in poetic form so I'm interested in thinking about form a little bit so first of all you structurally divide the poem up into the the poet section making the economic section dealing the political section steering the scientific section finding and then I guess we could say the meaning section, meaning, because there's philosophy and theology and and other disciplines there. How did you come up with those five as the kind of governing structure for the project? Were there other, you know, participles that you considered that... um, Yes, well, perhaps, I mean, but I think it comes in under politics and to an extent under economics. Perhaps law would have been another mm, possibility, but it seemed to be subsumed by politics mm, and by by, uh, economics. I was trying to get a broad picture mm -hmm. of what stirs the, what, what steers a, a society mm-hmm. and these seem to me to be the natural ones mm-hmm. it's in the introduction but I wonder if you would just talk about um, how you imagine this engaging with in if not correcting then at least supplementing the four quartets yeah well the four quartets is a wonderful poem yes oh, of course it's an yeah. extraordinary poem and I mean the, 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 you know going through this whole thing of the difference between Kairos and Kramos mm-hmm. and so forth you know between you know living in the moment and uh, giving up of the self and so on the, I do have, of course, a conversation with Elliot mm-hmm. in, in this. I'll come back. I want to come back to the conversation idea yeah. when I finish this. But I suppose what I felt about him, about T.S. Eliot's poem, it's a wonderful poem. I felt, in Christian terms, he somehow missed out on the resurrection. Mm. Uh, he gets the selflessness. He gets the sacrifice. Mm. He gets the fire and the knot and so forth. But he is in not quite into the paradise of absolute celebration and joy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't quite have that in him for some reason. Mm. The nearest he gets to it is in Old Possum's Cats in a funny sort of mm-hmm. way. It's the most um, allegro side of, yeah. of him. He didn't have a very happy life in some ways and yeah. I think that probably, again, is the interplay of the, of the life. And the world. These are conversations and I think that's another Dantean thing as you mm-hmm. know, the conversations with people. First of all, in the arts, my conversing with them mm-hmm. but always giving the last word to the artist mm. because I don't think that you, you know, while I have to make in order to see the overall trajectory of modernity and the arc in these five, because I also use them five motif there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Dante went had a tripartite division. I go for a five-part division. And in order to illustrate these with what seemed to me to be representative movers and shakers in these various disciplines. I obviously had to make discernments and judgments and so forth. But I always leave the last word in the arts section to the artist 
because I simply feel that these are, you can be too neat in your in, you know people are full of contradictions I'm mm. full of contradictions mm-hmm. we all are you have to make a discernment and a judgement in the general structure but that's not a condemnation mm. you leave the last word to the, the artist himself mm-hmm. yeah I was wondering if you could just say I've read the book, but for those who haven't, if you could describe what the structure in particular of that first section making is, and then maybe how you thought about different forms for each of the the sections, because you change forms from one quintet to the other. It came out this way, uh, as it developed as as the book was going, but this five motif, I kept up through it because I saw not only had I chosen five disciplines, but that's, if you want to think of that as going horizontally through the book, you've got Mm -hmm. the five quintets. But I also thought vertically that's going down into each mm-hmm. quintet in terms of five different uh, phases if you like as well and the first ones if you want to illustrate this with making you know and mm. um, the first ones that uh, making being the arts section you have transitional figures fascinating transitional figures from as we, we to use the American verb transitioned into modernity and Cervantes is an extraordinary one because mm. he is mocking the knight which was the figure of the medieval times you know mm-hmm. though there's something in him that you feel almost wanted to be a knight mm. um, so it's it's that beautiful sort of um, liminal sense to the whole thing John Donne is again another figure from this he is extraordinary sometimes the, the earth goes around the sun sometimes the sun goes around the earth mm-hmm. he's again on that borderland as we transition into modernity Rubens again fascinating because he uh, had to work for kings and so on uh, as patrons, but he was actually constantly moving towards the, the rising bourgeoisie, which is a big feature of modernity and a fasc- fascinating life. Uh, mm-hmm. To uh, again, the interplay of the life, you know, with his first wife being staid and a career wife for him, and the second wife being tremendously sensual. And mm-hmm. uh, 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 but then Milton, of course, is another figure there, there who sums up the whole of the Reformation which again is a huge marker as we move into modernity the musician I, I, again of course I've been trying to represent through the different arts as well so you you know Cervantes and Don obviously uh, and Milton are, are all literary figures but then we Rubens and the final figures handle the, the, the music he took music out of the church mm. and into the concert hall Mm. which again was a huge transition in the arts towards modernity um, so but then I have that's I call these cantos these these five so that was the first canto is the transition when the second one is this strange um movement of towards freedom I guess uh, uh, um, which includes the romantics and uh, so you have Beethoven and Wordsworth Goya who's in very strange painter too and often called the first modernist in some ways it's feeling and this feeling freed is what I call this canto this strange mm-hmm. strange thing uh, Goethe the same and another figure is Baudelaire who, who's kind of an urban romantic if you like when he brings in this romanticism into the into an urban he might call it decadence fleur de mal mm-hmm. uh, but, but so my third canto then is where I think things have begun it's probably in some ways the lowest point of modernity and I, I'm sure people find my choices here uh, in some ways peculiar but, mm. but yet they seem to be I mean I think in music of Wagner mm. uh, um, now it's not, it, it, this isn't a comment on his music as such some people will love his music but as he fits into the cultural trajectory of modernity he did pave the way for the low for, so this, this is, I shouldn't say this is the he paved his way for, for the parallel things like in politics Hitler and so mm-hmm. Hitler was a huge Wagner fan you know he was looking for some great Germanic past to mm-hmm. uh, a, a sort of an idea uh, uh, making an idol of this German past Picasso was a painter in there too Picasso 
Picasso became a caricature almost of himself in some ways, you know, in this extraordinary thing and became Kafka is an obvious choice as well, you know. The lesser obvious ones maybe are Yeats and Joyce. Yeah. Uh, um, but Yeats did again go for this idea of past, you know, he was he was looking for this great Anglo-Irish past and so he went through phases, he, of course he was he was a romantic national, he went to, but his great thing in the end was this, and of course he supported fascism to a point as well, mm-hmm. so he's a very, very, but again, he's full of contradictions, yeah. as, as am I, <laughs> but but uh, and Joyce, Joyce also, but Joyce, Joyce because I think he represents an, an extreme quality of modernism to go into the interiority. Complete subjectivity. Yeah, the complete yeah. subjectivity. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm, what yeah. I'm getting at. So again, and I give the word, last word to Joyce. You know, right, and, yeah, and I love yes. that. Yeah, you, yeah. you end with yes. Molly's yes. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 so, so, you know, it, again, he's a complex figure. You yeah. know, uh, um, but then that's Canto 3, and the Canto 4 uh, is these vaguely echo the Dante, the, the, the last one being the Dante's, Dante's Inferno to an extent, and this one, this Canto 4, the purgatorio, the, the, the sort of purgatorio figures, insofar as they have seen that, mm. that something has to be done, there mm. has to be a new vision, and they, they do it in different ways. Dostoevsky, Mahler, Rilke, T. H. Lawrence, Eliot. You know, uh, we've talked about Eliot, and he, he doesn't quite make it to this joy of heaven and so forth. Rilke the same. Rilke is an extraordinary poet. I love Rilke's work, but there is again that that dimension which isn't there. You know, and Lawrence, of course, goes into the physical, and, and so mm. he realizes something has to go back, and and. Yes, it's it, it is a vision, but it's not enough, mm. you know. And Mahler, the same Mahler is the famous composer who often said, "Every silver lining has a cloud." I think mm. they said of him, you know. And Dostoevsky, wonderful on suffering and so forth again. But I have the, the delight of when I get to uh, what echoes. I don't want to overdo the, this purgatoria, um, the, the you know the inferno, the, the purgatory and the heaven. I don't want to overdo that, but it's just yeah. gently sort of hinted at. I like to think of my as this heaven as being. Even fuller, it's three fives, it's 15. Mm. And, you know, th- these people, I think, speak for themselves. Dante, Shakespeare, Herbert, Basho, the, um, the haiku man, Bach, Mozart, Coleridge, the Brownings, Browning and Barrett, if you like, Eliot, Cezanne, Willa Cather, mm. uh, uh, Mark Chagall, Patrick Kavanagh, Messian, and Brian Friel. Yes. Uh, uh, um, and I see all of those as being people who somehow or other, you know, have this intense, well-shaped communication which grips us and makes life rich and fuller Mm. in its meaning. It's kind of a gift, I think, to embrace just and celebrate life and all its delights and sorrows, its griefs, and Mm. this this huge sense of embracing of life in its fullness. Yeah, and I I love the idea that structurally the most space is given to those in paradise within the making section which strikes me again as a really interesting way to think about how this differs quite dramatically from something like four quartets where Eliot is obsessively interested in those moments of transcendence the intersection of the timeless with time but most of the poem most of the time takes place and you know he has the line ridiculous the waste time spreading before and after yes. most of it takes place in the ridiculous waste time spreading before and after yes. those moments of transcendent beauty yes. whereas you and not just end with the the plenitude you give the most space to the plenitude as well which i find really beautiful yeah, yes it's well thank you for saying that it's it's i just i, I just think there's many to love mm. uh, i mean i find find those people i mentioned them you could go on with the list obviously but they for me they're the people i want to spend they're my friends i want to spend it in their time in their company yeah really interestingly the for the five quintets have completely different forms yes i differ from dante there because dante goes for the terzurima throughout exactly yes and so in making you have this beautiful 
really beautiful form where you have sonnet written from your from the lyric eye right then you have the kind of interstitial haiku haiku yes, yes. then sonnet written from the perspective of the maker yes. then interstitial haiku then sonnet written from the lyric eye perspective then interstitial haiku and then sonnet written from yes, the, yes, the maker's yes. perspective well i wondered if you wouldn't mind reading just an example of you talking with a maker at some point we don't have to do that right yeah, now we can do it later on later yeah and and so there's a kind of brilliant formal enactment of conversation in that first section. But then you completely change form in the second section. So I wondered if you would talk about the forms a little bit in the later parts of the poems and also why you wanted to not keep a consistent form, whether there was a kind of elective affinity between the form you chose for, say, the economic section and economics itself. Just what were you thinking formally as you were moving through the through the book? I think I wanted to give, uh, to, to emphasize, you see, not only the um, horizontal five, that's to say the quintets, but I wanted also to give a, I mean, I wanted to give a unity to those quintets, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? mm-hmm. and, and to make them distinctive. And differentiate yeah, between them. Yeah. So, so, they, so that they get a vis- different visual shape and they get obviously a different, a different form. What, and what I've done, just let me describe what I've done first and then I think I can possibly remember the genesis of some of them yeah, as, yeah. As, as it happened, but as, as to why. I love what I call psychos, mm-hmm. which is uh, it's my own word, it's a portmanteau word to take in, sonnet and psycho. I love the fact that it's the most traditional Eastern form and mm-hmm. the, the, the most traditional Western form mixing. Uh, I also love the idea of the haiku being able to give a, another level of comment Mm. It's almost like the chorus in a Greek tragedy, or if you like the uh, um, like the, the clown in Shakespeare. You know, mm. you're able to say things uh, at a different level. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. I, being a little pedantic, saying this, but I love the fact that psycho means a dainty piece of work in mm. Japanese. So it actually has a meaning as well, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it seemed to me that that was the best way to con- converse with the artists. Then to to take the final one, the one on meaning. I want to do that in Terza Rima, in you know, some mm. ways to echo Dante, but also it seemed a perfect form for, for meaning. Mm-hmm. And it flows, and it allows a very lyrical ending, if you like, to mm-hmm. the whole thing. Uh, um, I went for iambic pentameter for the science one, uh, which is a difficult enough one, because you're trying to... to I hope it works. Uh, um, I feel that even if sometimes you don't follow the detail of the actual science, that the flow of it, the flow mm-hmm. of the iambic pentameter, pulls you along in a way that you get you get the feeling of what's happening, even mm. if you don't get the absolute scientific detail. You get mm-hmm. the sense of what's mm-hmm. happening and the developments of it. And, and the I, I, iambic pentameter seemed to work for that. In the case of the second quintet, that's to say the dealing, the one on economics, I've used a form where I've gone into quite strict rhyme form and then come out of it again with with some rhyme but less I think it's the third and sixth and mm-hmm. whatever I can't remember but when the actual person is speaking it, it's in more formal mm. uh, and what I was trying to do there I think was emphasise the conversational element and because they converse among themselves in the economics as yeah. well which is uh, is Dantean in a way too but that they should talk to themselves you know talk and, and discuss among themselves that only leaves the politics one and the politics one I left fairly I mean it's rhythmically um, I hope consistent but I wanted that to be less formally poetic mm. uh, in a way that would capture more the mundanity if you like or the mundaneness of um, 
of political life. Mm-hmm. So does that give you an idea as to what was going on? Yeah, no, that's yes. that's wonderful, and and I love. I mean, one of the one of the reasons you know I think this this works not just in sections but as a book. There's a really beautiful formal and tonal and intellectual differentiation between the quintets. But there is also, and we've come back to this word a couple of times, there's a conversational element in all of the quintets. Um, and it really strikes me that this is, a, as a book, as a kind of argument about intellectual and economic and political and poetic and theological history, really praises and privileges conversation. Um, it, it seems like the darkest moments throughout the book, really no matter what section you're looking at, are the monologic sections. Yes, I think that's right. I think yeah. that's right. And, 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 you know, in the vision I have, and I, I mean, because it's, it's both history and vision, I hope. Yeah. Uh, um, because in the heaven, as you may have noticed in the, the, the people I gave, up to that, it's chronological. Mm-hmm. Heaven is transcends the time. Yeah. People are rooted in their in their context, obviously, mm-hmm. but they have some quality which points beyond, mm-hmm. and which I think hints at what might be a vision for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do try to express in each of the quintets a vision for for what for what they might be. But part of that vision is conversation. Yeah, it struck me that right the uh, one other guiding thread be, besides finding meaning in conversation yes. in the in the push and pull which yes. is a, a phrase that comes up yes. a, a, at several points in the book the book is also framed by jazz yes um which conversational improvisational again Absolutely. seems a model yes. and yes. what i think what I, again i think is, is so impressive about this book is that that improvisational conversational nature of jazz seems for you as a model for what's well, a model for good poetry that's what this book is, is built out of conversation, built out of improvisation, built out of dialogue. It's a good model for politics, right? To just be a monologist and be a politician yes. is to be a bad politician, yes. is to be courting fascism or something yes. like that. Yes. There's also a really beautiful way by the end of the book in which you see the cosmos itself as a kind of jazz-like... Dance. Dance. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, dance is another yes. uh, another yes. figure that you use yes. to, to, to think about these things. Yeah. Yes, no, I mean, it is, it is extraordinary. I think, you see, in each of them, I hope it's pointing towards some sort of vision, uh, not in a, in a massively didactic fashion, but I think we have to distinguish between entertainment and the arts. Mm-hmm. You know, entertainment can be... Quote Elliot, a distraction, mm-hmm. uh, a distraction without depth, perhaps. You know, mm-hmm. whereas I think we need we need something that grips us and, and engages with this intellectual and emotionally, in, imaginatively, grips us and somehow embraces you know the depth and richness of, of life in its joys and griefs, mm-hmm. you know, in its in, in its sufferings and its delights, and again. It's coloured by the figures I've chosen, obviously, for the final section. But I, I'm trying to, to suggest that we need to use all our human resources. Mm. Uh, and we, we need to use them with generosity and justice and generosity in order that people flourish. Mm. And I think, you know, and not only flourish, but, and I'm thinking here of Marcus Sen, really, but achieve their potential. Mm. We can't just measure in gross in national output or whatever, you know, or, or whatever the terms are. It's also people achieving their potential. Mm. And I think that the... And also, a part of the economic thing too, I think, is that we have to avoid the extremes of either utter control mm. or market complete market forces you know, mm-hmm. on a case by case basis mm. you know you have to that it, it, there's no blanket mm-hmm. extreme that can mm-hmm. be used and in the politics I, I think I'm trying to uh, to suggest that we need to use 
to use an old-fashioned word, wisdom mm. and discernment. Mm. Uh, and we need this to start pragmatically, not from here and now, not some tabula rasa or some overarching vision, but rather pragmatically from here and now to try and make the world just that little bit less perfect, mm-hmm. imperfect, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, to ensure the long-term flourishing of society, mm-hmm. not just the, but the long-term flourishing of society. And, and you were talking about the science and the dance and the jazz. I think this is the fascin- this is really the fascinating one because we, we had everything pinned down, at least yeah. we thought we'd everything pinned down. You know? yeah. And suddenly then, you know, we realised the subatomic world, we realised space and so on. So we're somewhere between this you know, ballroom of stars, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and this subatomic dance. Mm-hmm. I I think also that it's fascinating that that we must continue exploring. Obviously, we must keep on finding out that's part of our, our human curiosity. We have to remember that there's we're part of the cosmos mm. as, as humans. There's no view from nowhere. In other words, mm. uh, you know. And I think really, as we explore, we have to have the humility to know that perhaps the world is going to surprise us again, mm. and even. The mysteries of the world will elude us, mm. uh, and we know that from subatomic. You know, you keep going down subatomic quarks, subquarks, and so on. It's just one great dance. You can never, you can't be pinned down. It's, it's, yeah. it's extraordinary. And that that lends the the science section in particular this, this really compelling and also at a certain level um, kind of comic drama where countless figures think, "Ah, we finally gotten to that's, the end." That's of right. It. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We, we finally solved it. We have it. Yes. 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 And then. You start the new section yes. and... It's eluding us again. Yeah. You know, and, and, and probably will continue. And yet you have to keep studying it. Yeah. And, 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 yes. and again, I, I, that's, uh, it's fascinating that that really is a guiding thread between it. So we can see how that idea, right, that ceaseless pursuit of mystery, yes. that the sense that we've never gotten to the end of things that's a good mindset for, it's the mindset for a good scientist. Yes, right? yes, um, yes. But I think what's, what's again, a, a really fascinating way in which all these separate quintets dance with one another is that that's also what makes the good poet, right? And that's what also makes the good politician, and that what that's what also makes the good economist. Yes, it, um, it's the jazz factor. The jazz factor, exactly. Yes, the, yes, the, yes. The, the willingness and kind of embrace yes. of uncertainty that's by right. mystery. Yes, yes, yes. 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 The, the ability not to want everything tied down. Square. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and it, it, I mean, it reminds me of, of Keats, right? Um, negative capability, the willingness to dwell in uncertainty and mystery. Yes. Um, not needing mystery solved in order to find meaning, but finding meaning in the exploration of the uncertainty or something it, like it, that. Absolutely. It, it's, it's the... the um, is it Recur who refers, you know, that, that we have turned mystery into problems? Mm. You know, that, that is the danger of it. But, but the, and then the, the, the final vision, I think, uh, for, uh, the idea of the philosophy and the theology thing mm. really is, you know, that I think we have to admit that we are, as humans, seekers of meaning. Mm. No one has a monopoly on the truth mm. and never can have a monopoly on the truth. It's, again, it's the openness that you're talking about. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, the world is now going to be multicultural, it's going to be multi-religious, you know, and we have to learn to live with uh, and indeed, you know, to improve the quality of, of difference. I think, and also I think we have to we need a meaning that rings true about what life and death are about. Mm. And, and to allow each tradition to feed into this to, so we can allow for deep conversation. Mm. Conversation and collaboration even. You mm. know, but, but it's conversation is at the heart of it. Mm. Um, not looking for common ground or looking for unity, but rather looking for conversation, mm. which, which enriches your own tradition, enriches somebody else's tradition, 
enriches the relationship, mm. uh, but not necessarily flattening out, or not flattening out, so yeah. especially not flattening out. Yeah. Yes. So, and again, we, we keep coming back to conversation as really a kind of one of the most important parts of this poetic vision. And one thing I was struck by just in looking at this uh, review copy is how many different disciplines gave blurbs, right? That there are blurbs from, you know, the president of, the former president of Ireland, from Jean Varnier, from uh, professors of theology, from uh, economists, from scientists. And so I'm wondering how much, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the actual kind of moment by moment or day by day composition of the book. How much of this grew out of conversation with Others. So not just with the, the text themselves, because I want to get to that in a second, kind of what reading you did and how the reading fed into uh, the individual quintets. But I know, for instance, you're, you're good friends with um, David Ford. Yes, indeed. We've been best friends for 53 years. It seems to me that this book isn't just about conversation. It's not just stayed in conversations within the books, but at least to me, it seems that it grew out of conversations as well. And I wonder if you could speak to that. Absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely. Yes, it has, because uh, I don't know if you noticed that I th- thanked in the introduction uh, a, the uh, Cambridge Duke mm. uh, um, theology and the, sorry, uh, modernity theology and the, what was it, TMA, theology, modernity and the arts. Mm-hmm. It's a group which includes David Ford, mm-hmm. which meets once every year, and I was part of that group. Mm. So that was obviously a, a com- a very much a conversation. Yeah. Uh, but then conversations with close friends, uh, mm. um, particularly with David, obviously, uh, uh, David Ford, but with others. You know, there's a, there's a very fine group. Uh, um, they, there is uh, uh, Richard Hayes, the, uh, uh, the theologian, who's very interesting guy, Jeremy Begbie, is mm-hmm. who's a very talented musician so there's lots of influences there and personal friends which mm. you wouldn't be part of that group and mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a mention of um, my friend Hulkrimur Magnusson who was a great Icelandic friend of mine since my student days and uh, he sadly died he read the whole book before he before he, he died shortly afterwards mm. uh, not of the book I hope but mm-hmm. before man he had he, he had uh, uh, he had a sudden melanoma was dead within six months mm. but he was a very close friend and I would have discussed it with him mm-hmm. uh, and a very close Norwegian friend I, 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 I would have talked things through with mm-hmm. but I also had the privilege of talking to uh, to scientists mm-hmm. and, uh, and so forth and they were friends so it, it is it, it grew out of conversations as well mm. so let, mm. let's say you're writing your Karl Barth section yes right can you walk me through how so first of all I get, did you write it from making to meaning did you proceed chronologically were you moving back and forth between the quintets I was inclined to do the quintets as a whole mm-hmm. but not necessarily the order they, they, mm-hmm. that they've, they've come out in so you're in the world of making for a while then you were in the world of planning or yeah, no, I, I was inclined to be in, within one world at mm-hmm. a time right but the order in which I sure uh, which, which I um, approach the worlds may not necessarily be the cantos one two mm-hmm. three four five six mm-hmm. uh, uh, one two three four five <laughs> that was the way I decided to structure the book mm-hmm. if you see what I mean mm-hmm. to, to do it in, in that order mm-hmm. uh, um, but not necessarily they weren't necessarily written in that order mm-hmm. but you asked you ask me about Karl Barth well of course David 
Ford did his doctoral <laughs> thesis on Karl yeah. Barth. And incidentally, there's an extraordinary, by coincidence too, or maybe by echo, without unconscious echo, uh, he started out with his dogmatics to do five volumes, but only mm. got to four and a half when mm. he died. So there's a, maybe an echo, <laughs> an echo in the five there yeah. too. But I... I I picked up a lot about him and what, what he stood for through um, because I have uh, my uh, David Ford well my, my late wife was my first reader and then David and now it's my, my present wife and David Ford are the are my you know so Breeds and then Christina uh, were the first reader but David was always the first reader outside mm-hmm. of that and me for him I was his, always his first reader mm. and so I read an awful lot of theology so I picked mm. up would have picked up a lot of Barth on the way so mm-hmm. to speak but then I would have also steep myself probably in, in a biography or two of them as well to get the, to, to get a sense of the person because I, I felt all along you needed the physicality almost of the person mm. to, to carry the history because mm-hmm. I believe history is a kind of conversation if you like it's not it's, I, I don't want to see it as simply movements mm. So yeah you're working on the Bart section uh, and there is a certain familiarity with Bart's theology with Bart's biography that's grown up through your conversations with David Ford through your interest in theology but then you actually sit down to write the Bart section. Are you in a, in, a, in a concentrated Bart mindset reading mode for a couple of weeks or however long it takes yes, you? Yeah, yes, I would. I would. I mean, I, I had to, because in a sense you have to go into the character. Yeah, uh, yeah I was yes. almost imagining you uh, yes. because you're writing in the yes. first person in so yes. many of these sections that yes. you're it's, you're almost like a method actor. Right? Yeah, you, you, you have to. You have yeah. to. You have to. The whole question of biography is extraordinary too you know you have the I remember a friend of mine wrote a book and uh, talked about the um, the two he divided into two sorts of um, it was Ulick O'Connor wrote the book I think and he had two sorts of biography one was what he sort of, I don't know what his term was but I would say the kitchen sink one where you got laundry lists literally everything in mm-hmm. the person's life and the other one you took the salient detail which gave you a sense of how the life was being shaped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I went for the latter. You know? yeah. but, you, but you got a few kitchen sink details just yeah. in, to, to give a sense. What you want to do is something of, to draw people into that life, to understand where that life came and how it interacts with its times mm. and, and changes the times. Mm. Were there any thinkers who particularly surprised you in the writing of their perspective? Well, everyone surprised me mm. because there's something, uh, and I'm sure you know this yourself, there's something takes over. Mm. Uh, you know, you go into a character, but the character takes over, takes you over in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have it's uh, any player. I think would tell you the characters are not puppets. Mm. They take you where they want to go as well as you. You know, there's a mystery to it. Mm-hmm. There's a complete mystery to how these things work. Yeah, and the work takes you over. It, 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 again, it's the jazz factor. Mm. You don't know where it's. You start on it, and you think you might know where, you, but it takes you as well along. You know, you, you try not to lose to, to lose your way, but you can't. But you can't control it. Mm. There's a mystery there. Yeah, that's beautiful. What kind of a readership would you ideally want for this kind of book? That's a very hard question to answer. I mean, I've always wanted to be to be intelligible. Mm. I've always felt that anybody who wants to read poetry I would like them to understand and, and know that I meant that I wanted to be understood mm-hmm. but I think if I'm to go, if this is not too verbose an answer but I have written a lot of lyric, very very personal intense lyric poetry but I've also done some public poetry before, such as the Gossamer Wall mm-hmm. of the Holocaust, or even Globe which was one on the whole 
processes of history and so on. Uh, um, so, and it was pointed out in an essay that I seem to go from one to the other, and then, then in tongues, I think I can, I, I, I merge them, I think, in, in a book called Tongues, so, so that you know, I have this um, great, but I have the great belief uh, that poetry still can be part of the public discourse in, mm. in shaping it. So, who is going to read it? It may not be the people who would want to read a book of lyric poems where they feel they can. Though I have given, I have done the last one, crimson, one crimson thread for my describing the last years of my wife, my late wife's uh, life. It was a story, so it was best if it was read one to twenty hundred and fifty sonnets. It was best to read through because mm-hmm. it, it, there was a storyline in it. Uh, a lot of poetry readers, I think, like to dip. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is not a dipping book. Yeah. It, I think it will challenge people to an extent, but I really hope that that people will have the perseverance to read it and enjoy it. I wouldn't like to feel that people have to be have to know about all these characters in order to read them. I hope it's it's self revealing and that's our self explanatory. But I suppose it it is an audience of um, of people who want to read poetry and also who would be interested in the whole question of how we got to where we are and where we're going. Mm. Yeah, I don't know if that's too vague an answer. No, no, I think that's a that's a wonderful answer. And I and I at the beginning you talked about you know you always want to be intelligible. And one of the things I find quite remarkable, you know, we we've, we've been saying that this book in many ways praises uncertainty and seeks out mystery, but that doesn't mean that it has to be written in a kind of obscurantist fashion, right? You can be intelligible about mysterious things. Indeed, indeed, um, indeed. And, and this yes, is, I, I think, yes. an incredibly lucid, um, poetically lucid book about thi- about the, the things that seem to frustrate lucidity, right? Meaning. Yes. God. Yes. Justice. Love. And so, so I, yeah, I think I thought that was, I think that's a, a wonderful answer. I've also read in other critics talking about how you tend to oscillate between the kind of private lyric mode and the more outward-facing public mode. In at a certain level, this seems a more public, outward-facing book. It's not talking as much about your own biography, although Breed comes in at the end in the last section in a kind of Beatrice role. That's right. But what I find fascinating about really all of the quintets here are that they are public and outward facing by going into the private lyric moments of the individual figures, right? It's a kind of yeah, yes, a kind of yes, balancing yes, of the public and the private, yes, the lyric yes. and the yes, conceptual. I hadn't actually thought of that. I hadn't thought of it. And that's very interesting. I hadn't thought of that angle on it. Yes. You, yeah, you can almost yes, say, yes. I almost was thinking that, you know, the, the Bart, because I mentioned the Bart section before, that that Bart section is almost like a lyric poem written by Bart, yes, you know, in, yes, in, in the lyric yes, eye. So yes. you're still inhabiting that lyric mode, just... Yes. Inhabiting it from someone else's perspective. Yes, and, and with the purpose of, of illustrating. Right. Yes. Right, but, but yes. of illustrating the theology, the ideas, yes. but always testing it against and bringing it into conversation with the life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That interface between the two. Yeah. Yes. Is this the most challenging book? Oh, by far, by far, yeah. Yeah, by far. I mean, The Holocaust was a hard book. Yeah. Uh, and so far as I spent four years in that, I mean, I spent eight or nine of this. I think I was trying to work out how many years I spent yeah. because it was interrupted by one crimson thread because mm-hmm. life took over. And yeah. uh, uh, those years when my beloved wife was in, was in the home, uh, it was, the, 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 it, I, I just... It was a, it was my way of coping with it was to write that book one crimson thread so this was had to be 
interrupt it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I was trying to calculate it. Must be eight, nine years probably. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I spent at it, yeah, um, and so it's by far the most ambitious, I think, and hardest one to have done. It depends what level. It's the hardest, I think, uh, in the terms of just the sheer scope and mm-hmm. the sheer keeping keeping the picture and, and keeping the whole vision of what it was to be but clearly not as emotionally as difficult as say One Crimson Thread yeah or I I could imagine the Gossamer Wall being a really difficult ethically it um, was it was very 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 difficult because you wanted to uh, not muscle in mm-hmm. on other people's tragedy and another man's wounds mm-hmm. uh, um, and you wanted to show absolute respect for the victims and you know I conscious of being a guy mm-hmm. and, and not wanting to appropriate this but also conscious that this is a human tragedy not mm-hmm. ju- I mean while it's tied up very much with Jewish identity it's also a human tragedy and keeping all those things in in, in and also reading the most awful details yeah. that was gruesome yeah uh, 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 yet you had to do it yeah yeah so different forms of difficulty yes. but this yes. is the most difficult all considered I, I would think so yes yeah yes I mean, I'm, it, it's the, and by far the, the biggest. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Just in sheer volume. And perseverance to take nine years over a book is a long time. Yeah. I was always afraid that I might be like Barth. I might get to four and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I always, have to, I always have to be careful that it's German, it's Bart. I'm, sometimes you, the TH fools you, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, Bart, yes. Bart is such a... Fa- so I, in my book, I, I wrote on Bart yes. a little bit, and I wrote in particular on Bart... Because when Elliot is um, editing the Criterion, the Criterion is filled with conversations about Karl Barth's theology. I didn't know actually, that. I didn't know that. Yes, I knew I knew the Criterion, and I knew you had been interested. In yeah, the and, yes. and so in interesting ways, yes. like what you said about Elliot, you yes. know... Ending the poem largely in a kind of purgatorial space yes, as opposed yes, to a yes, paradisal state yes. is similar to what Bart is like, at least early Bart. Right? Yes, the, the yes. Bart of Epistle to the Romans, which is the Bart that Eliot would have been familiar yes, with. Yes. So, yeah, I, this way, I mean, if you could have designed a book perfectly suited to my intellectual and spiritual interests, it would be this. So well, that's lovely to hear that. Yeah, that's, so, uh, that's very moving to hear that. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, no, it's very moving. And I, mind you, and I think from what I've understood, I, I, I must get your book, but from what, I mean, I think it's lovely that you've pointed out that there is this strand within modernism, modernism mm. that, I mean, when I talk about the, I think, the interiority and the, ex- I'm talking about an extreme modernism mm-hmm. uh, where, where um, you know, making it new becomes... A sort of a yielding to novelty rather mm. than the meaning. But I think it's very, I mean, from what I was reading this morning about it was, it was fascinating that there is a strand actually within that. And of course, David Jones, who mm. I gave a lecture on in mm-hmm. Wales a while back. Um, uh, I know, I was hoping that yes. Jones would be in the making yeah, section. Yeah. But no, no, uh, he's, he's such a difficult figure in yeah. many ways, you know. Uh, and in, in fact, in that lecture when I was talking about David Jones was, one of the things I kept pointing out was that he is so, so demanding. Mm. Because I have a philological background yeah. I have a background in sailing I have a background in nearly all the images he uses and without that book by Tom, um, Tom Dilworth Dilworth yeah. uh, who's a very nice man I met him but, but without that book I couldn't have followed him oh, yeah. and, and by the same token uh, Portal my thought was extraordinary about the Holocaust 
Paul Celan mm. without the book by John Feinstein mm. I'm not sure I'd have got there you know? yeah. uh, it's one of those strange cases where you almost need a crib you know, to, yeah. to, 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 get, to get you through even, which, even with a background which should be ideally suited to David yeah. Jones I speak Welsh if this is perfectly yeah, suited yes. to me Jones is perfectly suited to you yeah, yeah. and, and, and uh, so, so no I mean he would be he would be to an extent you see his martyrdom is an extraordinary one I think his excess is not novelty but retrieval Mm. He, his, it's mm. an, excess, an excess of retrieval. He wants to bring back mm-hmm. things, you know. While I have room, and, and that's why in heaven you have older figures, because I think there is room for retrieval. Mm-hmm. You have to distinguish between dead wood and still living. Mm. If you understand what I, mm-hmm. what, what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, um, I could go into a whole riff about Chomsky and that, but I won't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, no. So I was also, uh, I think it was in the introduction to the collected poems. You talked about how complicated a a topic poetic influences that were all poets are the result of multiple influences and you kind of I think uh, understandably reject any single lineage yes I'm wondering if you are a lover of Auden because because this in many ways and I mean this as the highest compliment read to me like Auden because it's intelligible because it's so formally accomplished and inventive and also because, you know, in the Auden of Letter to Lord Byron or the New Year's Letter or the Age of Anxiety, he's also really concerned with trying to account for how we got to where we are yes, intellectually, yes, politically, yes, economically. Yes, yes. Um, so it is, are you an Auden? Yeah, I, I, I have to have the big collection of Auden. Well, I, I love Auden. Yeah. I think he's wonderful. I feel that sometimes he... Sometimes he he dips in, mm. the, in that big book, mm. you know. Uh, um, but no, I think he's wonderful. I do yeah. think, I think he's an extraordinary poet. Yeah, Christian Wyman. I, I interviewed him for the magazine, yes. and he said there aren't. I don't know that I would agree with this, but you would say there aren't any great collected poems. There are only great poems. Yes. And yes. Auden, there are longer stretches in the collective poems that are not great. Yes. In, com- yes. in poets of yeah, that's I think what I was saying in a gentler yeah. way. Yes. Yeah. 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 I didn't want to be. I'm, I'm always, because I'm always, I'm always, um, I'm, al- I'm always, I never want to be iconoclastic, if you yeah. know what I mean, because it's, it's, not, it's not worth it. Yeah. Uh, but, but at his best, Auden is wonderful. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's extraordinary at his yeah. best. You know, uh, uh, yeah, especially for, so, uh, for someone yes. who is interested in form like yes. you are. I mean, he's yes. just a he had a rich. huge gift for it, extraordinary yeah. gift. For yeah, it. metrical. Yes, and, yes. Yeah. And an yeah. extraordinary gift for yeah. it. Uh, um, I mean, I, I'm, I don't dismiss anybody who doesn't have form. Mm. Uh, that's because some people do that wonderfully as well. Uh, but I just feel that the fascinate the form is such a wonderful thing that I can't give up on it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it depends upon the the poem, but what tends to when, when, and where does the form come in? The particular stanzaic structure, the particular rhyme scheme. Do you kind of fiddle around at the beginning until you kind of work your way into a particular form? Yeah, it, it usually finds itself. Mm. In other words, uh, the the it finds itself. I mean, it's a mysterious thing. Yeah, again. yeah. I, it's one of these things. You know, the relationship between form and content, which mm. uh, and the perfect marriage between them is the perfect poem. If mm-hmm. you can get it, you know, mm-hmm. and how it comes, or whether the donne dictates the form, or the form dictates the donne. I haven't a clue. Yeah. yeah, I'm afraid as long as it works, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if we could take a step back and talk a little bit about your life and work outside of uh, the five quintets. Is that okay? Fine. Is that, that is that that's part of your idea of the profile? Yes, 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 exactly. So I, I guess one thing I'm interested in. So the you know one of the 
kind of arguments, it seems to me, of the five quintets, and we've been talking about this, is that history is change, right? Um, that, that existence is change. Recently, you've alluded to personal changes in your life. You have had a geographical change. You're now living in the United States. How in particular has your relocating in America informed the work, uh, informed the kinds of things you're reading or thinking about, or is it more just the setting has changed, but the kind of poetic soul in in the um, the, the writing remains uh, consistent? I, again, I think it's both and. Mm. Um, and I finished the five quintets in New York, mm-hmm. and uh, I have acknowledged in the in the introduction my gratitude to my wife Christina for her support and uh, I, I enjoyed work, working tremendously here in New York but certainly yes and in work to come I hope mm. uh, um, yes the, the whole excitement of New York I hope will appear mm. uh, I'm fascinated by the city mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, oh yes it'll certainly if I'm spared uh, it'll, it, it, it's going to appear in, in a lot of work mm. it's a whole new life after all for me and it's a whole it's a whole new life in that again a word we've we've used a few times it's an entirely different ethos right in Dublin as opposed to in oh, yes. New York City oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm entirely and again conversation and yes. relationship is so essential yes. it seems to your person and certainly to your to your poetry it's an yes. entirely different network of relations here entirely different set of conversations absolutely but and probably of course it's the you know I mean I came here because I fell in love with Christine and that's what brought me to New York mm-hmm. uh, I mean I had no ever thoughts of being in, of living in New York, but so it's uh, and that that's fundamentally why I'm here. But being here yeah. <laughs> and living here, it's uh, the excitement of New York and the mixture and the, the speed and uh, so on. It, it is very fascinating. Yeah, could you just could you walk me through? So you um, met Christina when you were as a poet in residence in Minnesota. Is no, that... no, no. I met Christina. Uh, uh, I, I met her in 2010 uh-huh. when I uh, and um, we uh, very briefly uh, uh, and uh, I was married and happily married at the time. It was just coming up to the crisis with with my beloved Breeds, and and then I met her again when I was widowed, mm. and we got together. Mm. And was it? And that was when I was on a tour with my collected poems in 2000 and. 14. And then relocated to New York shortly thereafter. Well, she's a top surgeon in New York, uh, uh-huh. and uh, I can write in New York. And it was uh, I was prepared to take the to, to take the challenge. It was mm-hmm. uh, you know I've I've <laughs> I'm, I'm driving in New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Took my license to drive here. I've mm-hmm. you know I've it's been a wonderful. Uh, I've learned to ski since I came here. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know I've, I've learned Spanish since I came here. Mm-hmm. It's been just a whole new world and made new lots of new. I keep all my friends as best I can. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderful time. If you're going to do this. You've FaceTime mm-hmm. and you've well, you know WhatsApp and uh, mm-hmm. all these things. So it's wonderful to be can, you can keep contact with you and even see your friends. Mm-hmm. Thing. But I have created you know I'm part. I have a new community here which which. I'm part of, and, mm-hmm. and that's very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, but it's the god of surprises. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you mm-hmm. told me five years ago I'd be living in New York, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have believed you. Mm-hmm. But then I started to sail in my fifties and use sailing imagery all through Love Life, which is a book of poems for breeds. Mm-hmm. And if you told me when I was forty-eight that I was going to be sailing and learning to sail in my fifties and sailing all winter out in the Irish Sea, I wouldn't have believed you either. So yeah. you know. 
you, we don't. It, it's it's back to what we're talking about. It's the jazz factory. You know? mm. It's you don't you don't know what life is going to to bring, but you have to be open to it. Yeah. So this might be a silly question, but do you have any given your response? But do you have any sense for what you what might work on next? Or are you working on anything? I, I, I am, but I, I, you're going to think me very coy when I say that, that I, I, never talk, I can never talk about something until it's done, almost, mm-hmm. because I, I'm, I'm afraid it'll evaporate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm afraid of the famous Kavanagh uh, quote of writing it in alcohol, mm-hmm. <laughs> or writing, writing it in talk. You mm-hmm. know? I, I'm a great believer in the mystery of the bottling up. You, know, you mm-hmm. bottle things up inside of you and let it, let it stew and brew and come out. If that makes sense. No, that absolutely makes sense. sense. But but New York is definitely in the mix. Mm-hmm. Yes. Are there poets writing right now, American or otherwise, who you're particularly excited by the work they're doing, who is sustaining you in, in interesting ways? I, I'm try, trying to trying to think. Well, I mean, I got a very lovely copy of a poem of a poet whom I've been known for many years, and it made Moria Simon. Mm. It's um, a lovely book of poems, uh, and, and uh, I really admire her work so there's lots of people I admire it's very hard to pick out one if you mm. know what I mean and, and uh, so, so, so that uh, I inevitably end up reading reading others mm. poetry uh, um, but I suppose it's uh, at my stage of life it's harder to to say this is my absolute sure you know thing. they, 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 they uh, I I it's not that I'm not open to it, and I am. I get excited by things. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw, for instance, I saw, I had seen, I think, some of it in Dublin. Uh, it was done in the Abbey Theatre by uh, my friend Patrick Mason, directed it. But I went to see Angels of America here recently, mm. uh, and uh, extraordinary work, you know. Mm. So things like that do excite you. Mm. Excite, don't you, 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 you yeah. Know? And uh, I, saw, I saw the Iceman Comet for the first time here. I'd seen a lot mm. of, of O'Neill. I saw that in BAM. Mm. So there's a lot of very exciting things that, that you know, both in that in in and uh, in both in thought and thought uh, as well. I've been re- I, I read I read all sorts of. Things. I was going to say yes. this book reveals yes. that you obviously are an omnivorous reader. You're not just reading poetry. I imagine you read popular science. Anything. And- yes. I mean, I've just I've just been. I, um, David was recommended by Jean Vanier, mm-hmm. David Ford, to read a book by Thurman. I don't know if you know the guy who was uh, what's his what's his first name again. Oh, it escapes me for a second, but he was um, uh, an Afro American who was a huge influence on Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, something Jesus and the Disinherited mm-hmm. is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Extraordinary book. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're. I, I yeah, yeah. I actually last weekend went to see a really exciting play. Maybe you've seen her plays before. This was the first play that was put on in the U.S. by an Irish playwright named Marina Carr. Oh, it's, it's in the Irish repertory theatre. Yes, I've seen some of her work. Okay, I've seen. I know. Her. I highly I, recommend. I've met her. And, uh, yes. In fact, I, I think I knew her, her. Hugh Carr was her father. I don't think she. Got, I don't think she gets the news. It's not. <laughs> yeah. in the, but but uh, her Hugh Carr did. I think her father did one extraordinary play mm. uh, about. Um, Oh, way back, must be 30, 40 years ago, I thought. And he, he did a wonderful play, Elwaz, and, El and um, uh, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking, and I have a poem somewhere about Eloise. You know, the, the, you know, the, the, the priest. Oh, yeah. Eloise and Hilton. 
No. You know who I'm talking about. Yes, I know who you're talking about. I'm blanking. I'm just tired. But but, but, but he did a wonderful play about her father. Mm. I've seen a couple of her. I saw The Bug of Cats was one of hers. Yeah. Uh, Woman in Scarecrow is there now. Yeah, I must bring Christina to that, actually. Yeah. Actually, I I support it. I'm a friend of the theatre or whatever. Uh I gave a reading in the theatre. It's a lovely, lovely theatre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've never been before. It's it's beautiful theatre. Beautiful, small, intimate. Lovely theatre. Yeah. And it's run by by two, Charlotte Moore and Kieran O'Reilly. Kieran O'Reilly. He's a wonderful, wonderful one. He's, 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 I mean, he was born in Cavan in Ireland and so mm. on. Extraordinary guy. Uh, um, but they, they love, they run this beautiful theatre. Yeah, uh, Woman in Scarecrow, I highly, I highly recommend it. Yes. She actually won, I was uh, telling you before that my wife runs that yes. prize, Wyndham Campbell. Marina yes. Carr won uh, a Wyndham Campbell Did she last really? year. Oh, good for her. Good yeah. for her, yes. Good um, for so, her. yeah, yes. Megan, my wife, was really excited yes. that yes. this was the first play that was brought to the United States. Yeah, no, I, 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 I must get to that with Christine. I like to, 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 to do that. Uh, no, I've seen some. I've seen some wonderful stuff. Uh, some wonderful things since I came. And so, so yes, theatre excites me. Novels excite me. Poetry excites me. You know. You know. I even like. I, 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 I even like some of the. I've, I've enjoyed some of the Broadway musicals. Now, I don't think there's the classic musicals there. I think there's, there's an awful lot of musicals which I can. I've seen that I could take or leave. Mm-hmm. There's some, but there's been some wonderful things. Mm-hmm. So, the, it, it, and, and of course, I go to the Met. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful uh, pearl, pearl fishers in, the, in, in, the, in it. Absolutely extraordinary. And the Madame Butterfly in the Met. Mm-hmm. So it is an exciting city to live in. You know? Yeah. And especially if you don't... When we first met and we were talking in the cafeteria, we were talking yes. about the specialization of yes, academia. Yes, yes. If you are open to the many different kinds of conversations yes, and discourses yes. of the mind, of yes, culture, yes. of the spirit, then New York is a great... Great, great. Place. Oh, oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Yeah. And, and and you know the the uh, no, it's 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 a very ex- a very exciting place. Yeah. Maybe we could do a uh, reading if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, I'm just gonna be, uh, uh, can I get drop yeah, a drop of water? Yeah, I'll get to that. I'm just trying to think if I, it was to be one. Maybe I should read the Dante one. That would be great because yeah. that sort of ties in with the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. Maybe that's the one to do. I was trying to think of in my mind what the best was to do. Perfect. So Dante, we have to go into the the heaven section here. I, I was really excited to read the economic section as well because so Griffin, who you met outside, is a good friend of mine and last very nice fellow, very knowledgeable guy. Yes, yeah, yeah. And la- last summer he was living in New Haven yeah. and he. We decided that we were going to read uh, the first volume of Capital together over the summer. That's and Capital. Exactly. Yes. So we read that, and so yes. I've been sending him um, text with photos of the Mark section. <laughs> He's excited to read this as well. Still underground bulb, a deep and dormant thriving, lily in waiting. My Dante, tend... Nel mezzo del camin, forgotten bulbs, your times again on earth. Your gift to see a flowering unforeseen, to rake the soil for Europe's lush rebirth. A rich pre-modern mind allows you mix rife thoughts retrieved with things so up to date in science, art, or purse and politics. The cosmos is your seedbed city-state. Your lily sign, Firenze's exile sun, why is that place assailed by so much strife? Who name and face dead figures one by one, 
descending and ascending after life by conscious metaphor and fact combined, you parallel the purpose of God's mind. Overwintering, a year's adventitious roots, lily emerging. Ah yes, the middle of the way, and yet recall the years I yearned, a troubadour for Beatrice since May Day when we met, one fateful moment in 1284. I break new ground and graft a comedy. I'm politician, poet, citizen. Though love can shape a tongue in Tuscany, I end an exile, never home again. With Virgil, I will climb hell's deepest ice to reach the doorway of the dead and weep till Beatrice unknotting nerves in me redeems my guilt. And braving paradise, I dare allow my sacred poem to leap from where we are to where we're meant to be. Six luscious tapels, rich, indelible stamens, lily unseeming. Your polymath and eager pioneer, who doubling back becomes a daring scout, defining our modernity's frontier by summing up what somehow opens out. A fluke of birth, a lucky florowit as banished and uncuddled by soft fame. You blame defectors sham and counterfeit. Unhampered, your cold hell will name and shame. But more, as certain as a second thief, this day in paradise you too are shown the smile whose warmth unzips the lily's leaf, the light eternal in itself alone. You're stretching still my mind and my desire to walk our daring god of love's high wire. Spotted and brush-stroked, a glorious flourishing, star-gazer lily, but seven centuries beyond my theme, you've chosen to pursue the selfsame path and summing up a nearer work the seam between the modern and its aftermath. You've climbed from hell to heaven's vertigo. I'll be your guide. Though dazzled in that gaze, allow flawed words their spill and overflow for God delights in lily-gilding praise. Imagine all we've done or left undone, our broken longings, longings still for more, completed in the glory of one glance. And as both stars and atoms dance and dance, our lives unreal around one loving care, where all our wills and all desires are one. Beautiful. Do you enjoy the public readings? 
Yes, I do. I, I couldn't do them if I didn't. Yeah. I, I, I do, do enjoy them, but I find them quite exhausting. Yeah, I was going to yes. say, yeah, yes. I imagine it's like teaching, but more so, right? That physically and psychologically you must just be wiped out. By yeah, I, I, I am tired. I mean, I used to be able to do them night after night. I'm not sure I want to do them night after night, although I'm going to have to do that when the book comes out because I, I Dublin one night, next night. Oxford next night Cambridge so, mm-hmm. so but I'll do it I mean it's it's a sort of a harvesting mm. you know it's, and it's the tangibility of it is nice you know mm-hmm. but I was never I was always very careful to uh, I would give a lot of readings after a book came out because you want to support your publisher and get the book out there but at the same time I'd never wanted to get hooked on the performance side of it and mm-hmm. knock it on with what you're really supposed to be doing 